Hey everyone, welcome to Eclipse, a Heroes podcast. I'm Keisha. And I'm Rachel. And today we are going to discuss episode 104, Collision. I do have one comment before we get into like everything. Yeah, yeah, what? And that is, I was really fucking hyped up after watching this episode. When I was done watching it, I was like giddy. I was like, oh, this is the hero that I love. Oh gosh, that's gonna be me in about mm, three weeks. I yes, think. I know. Yeah. Well, not that I'm not. I just, I know what I'm about. I know who I am. You know, like, I know what I'm trash for. I, I'm going to go off. I just am. I know me. I'm already excited about it. Like. Good. I hope you do. Him showing up in the paintings. I'm just like, yeah. You know? Like, yeah, we didn't get any, like, cameo from Siler this week other than, like, you know, in the painting, which is, like, we're meant to assume that. We don't know that for sure yet in the yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, well, we know, wink, but... It's it's like a lot of names that we're going to say, too, coming up, like the Haitian and Lyle. There's things that we don't know yet, but Like, oh, know. Claire has a brother. Like, yeah. They might even be credited as that name. <laughs> so um, it's like, I feel free to say that. I'm pretty sure they both are, so it's fine. I, oh, gosh. What an intense way to start the episode, though, with Matt all strapped down and that. I remember that blue lit scene because I used to try to make, you know, icons and stuff. And Jesus Christ, I hated that scene. You couldn't do anything <laughs> with it. Just blue. I forgot about it until I saw it again. I was like, oh, that's right. They yoinked Matt. I forgot about it. <laughs> mm-hmm, Even mm-hmm. after the last episode, I forgot that they yoinked him. Yeah. So basically uh, where we start off this week, Matt wakes up the exact way you do not want to wake up ever, but especially after you've been out drinking, which is he's in a room he doesn't know with people he doesn't know. And he's strapped down to a table and um, there's like diagnostic devices on him, like checking his brainwaves, his heart rate. It's all very nerve wracking stuff. And my favorite thing about it is how much HRG just really leans into the whole creepy creepiness of it, of just being like, yeah, hi, Matt, Uh, this is happening. There's nothing you can do about it. You need to calm down, trying to get your resting rate of your brainwaves. Like, seriously, calm down. Uh, Which I just love the way he looks down at him just in that very... You know, he's a specimen kind of way. Like, it's just like, yeah, this is happening. There's not really anything you can do about it. My buddy here is going to keep me safe from you and you're trying to read my thoughts. Because the Haitian, who we first saw in last week's episode, he is going to be a really big part of season one coming forward because... As we hear in the dialogue of the scene, not only can he negate powers, he can also erase thoughts. He can he can erase memories. That makes him so far, I would argue, the most powerful character on the show. Because when you do when you mess with mind stuff, that's a big thing. You can rewrite narratives if you have somebody who can erase memories. So yeah, so We've got Mr. Bennett at work, and then later on, um, we've got Mr. Bennett at home. But there is a little moment before we see him at home where, despite the best efforts of the Haitian, Matt did get a little nugget from him. He got the name Claire, and and the look on on Bennett's face when he said that was pretty great, because, you know, there's just this ongoing thing of, is he dedicated to trying to keep her safe, and from what? Uh, We get a lot of that with the interaction between Claire and Bennett when uh, when they're at home together for a minute. Anytime they have a conversation now, it's so charged because of the secrets. We know that Bennett knows about her. And it's funny because all of her scenes, they play like two ways. They play like that, where, you know, got to keep you safe. And he knows from like a larger world standpoint. 
And then, you know, there's the, just the traditional, like, he's a dad trying to be protective of his teen daughter because, you know, it's a scary world out there, as we've seen from last week's episode. And then we see him back at work again, all his many work trips. He ends up in a room with two more characters. This is an episode that has a lot of interactions between characters that we haven't seen them interact yet before. And it's really exciting to finally see these characters share screen time, have conversations, just you know, even walk by each other. It makes it feel like a more cohesive story. And I love that we finally got the dream team together, which is the Haitian and HRG. We're going to see a lot of them. And the other thing that is really funny was I went and looked up an old promo for the (laughs) episode after this to see if something was mentioned, which I won't bring up now. And they called HRG like the looming evil. The face of evil. Or the face of evil. They like went so hard in season one on us being like this guy is evil he is no good you should all be scared of him oh he's the bad guy which you know it's funny because i think i even remember before certain other people show their faces that he was on like little lists and stuff like in ew best bad guys or most interesting you know bad guys or something like that people would always mention bennett in those conversations at first because we just don't know we don't know what his organization that doesn't have any initials is all about except for the fact that they seem to be tracking people with powers or people who are curious about people with powers yeah he was he was like the villain of our first however many episodes we have Mm -hmm. like this is our villain that we can see the villain that we know yeah, because he's just, you know, he's he's a looming presence that seems to be able to dip in and out of any of these characters' lives. And we don't know what he's after exactly. Because, I mean, you look at how he was with Matt. He's testing him. He's trying to get data from him. But he's not harming him. Not really. And he's gonna let him go. So he can't be that bad, right? The one character that, like, is super afraid of him is Mohinder, as we saw in the last episode, where he willingly walked into Siler's apartment... <laughs> no gun but he's like afraid of the of the man in the horror room glasses coming knocking on his door again i still get so much joy out of that i'm like oh you dummy (laughs) i mean regardless of the fact that he didn't know for sure what had you know maybe gone down between this mystery person and his father you're in a big city like you're in new york city you don't just go busting into someone's apartment that you don't know just anyone could be behind that door regardless of a scenario with superpowers and supervillains like what the hell? But yeah, so we it's fun. We get to see Bennett at work, Bennett at home, Bennett at work. And it's fun because that is so much of uh, season one in particular, is getting to see the two different sides of him and how those different selves will inevitably clash just because of who his daughter is. But yeah, so at the end of the episode, he is on his next work trip and the people he's, I guess, encountering are our very own Nathan and Nikki. Yeah, that's right. They've connected now. Why don't you tell us all about how that came to be? So as we saw in the last episode, Nikki got pulled over by a police officer because Linderman wanted to speak with her. However, Linderman isn't there this episode. He's going to have a middle woman talk to Nikki. So Nikki gets taken to the Montecito Casino, which is a kind of an Easter egg because it's a reference to another NBC show at the time, which was Las Vegas. It's an Easter egg. It was on long enough to matter. Which I think... I think Las Vegas might have been actually on after Heroes. I think you're right. I think it was on Monday night. So it was a little bit of a nod to their sister show on the same network. Nice little synergy. So yeah, because this was before their their own casino got a name. 
Nikki gets pulled into an office with Miss Sakamoto and she says that Linderman wants a little extra insurance on some money he's about to give to a congressman or a potential congressman rather. I think he's, she said he's giving him two million and he's coming to Vegas to speak with him. So she says, yeah, we want a little extra insurance that he's not going to do something stupid. And we find out from Nathan's side of things that apparently his father was under Linderman's thumb. It's funny seeing all these traces of Arthur so early oh, on. Oh my god, right? And it's just like, hmm, thinking to the Arthur that we know later on in the show. Yeah, spoiler alert, we're gonna meet him, and it's not gonna be until, like, season three. But his presence is just all over the place. Oh yeah, his fingerprints are everywhere in the first, especially the first season. I think a little bit in the second season, if I remember as well. Mm-hmm. But we'll find that out when we get to that point. So he said, don't worry, I'm not gonna be under Linderman's thumb. I'm my own man so sakamoto lets nikki go she goes back home with micah and micah knows what's going on he's kind of he's not a dumb kid and he's not happy (laughs) that nikki's getting dressed up to go seduce this congressman because he knows what she does in the garage and he feels like it's safer because it's an act and it's online and you can tell this kind of gives nikki pause because i feel like she tries to keep that part of her life secret from micah and yet he obviously knows now or like he's known for however long he's known that like this is what my mom does it's hard to keep that kind of thing secret from a kid especially micah mm-hmm. <laughs> again we don't know what micah can do but it'll all make sense <laughs> so she's gonna meet nathan it's her job right now to get dirt on nathan which is obviously she's supposed to seduce him because he's married yeah nathan is married with two sons as we find out in this episode so she goes in and literally runs into him she says she's there on a business trip she's got a conference she's gonna go see celine dion and she's by herself like she lays it on you know thick and nathan eats it up he's enjoying the company of this beautiful woman and they both make their way up to nathan's room nathan asks her a lot of questions he's very curious about i don't remember the name she gave but i swear she gave him a fake name i mean it makes sense from like a safety standpoint she doesn't know who this guy is everything else she's kind of fairly honest with he asks if she has a husband and she says no i have an ex did he leave you for another woman no another man no i wish (laughs) And she admits that her ex is a criminal. So he's like, all right, understands questions in there. And then he asks her another question right afterward. (laughs) Captain questions. So they continue to flirt and then they kiss. And then obviously somewhere in Nikki's conscience, she thinks about her son and she's like, I can't. And Nathan is the very opposite of Brody when he's just like, I understand. Here you go. It was wonderful spending time with you. Go ahead and be on your way. Which is great because you wouldn't necessarily expect that. He's been up to this point, the asshole. Mm Mm-hmm. Everything else has been the asshole. But he is nothing but lovely with Nikki right now. She's like, I can't do anymore. And he's like, that's fine. You know, here. It was lovely spending time with you. We had what we had. I think like looking back at it now, he definitely was there as a parallel to Brody. Yeah, that's a really good point. I didn't even think of that when I was watching, but you've totally Because Claire that. tries to give the excuse later on that like he was drunk. And we both see Nikki and Nathan drinking. Yeah, that doesn't matter. And he's able to, to understand like she doesn't want this right now. That's fine. Consent, yo. So Nikki leaves his hotel room and gets yoinked into the elevator. <laughs> by one of the thugs. That thug makes a very grave mistake because he threatens Micah's life. And then Nikki is not here right now. And she kicks his ass, steps on his head, and says, if you threaten our son again, I will put my heel through your skull. Do you understand me? And she goes strutting back to Nathan's room and gets the job done. And we see as they're making out and she loses her her shirt, her dress, really, that she has a tattoo that we haven't noticed before, which is of the helix. Mm Mm-hmm. 
She has the symbol. So we're supposed to realize that when we see that, that that is no longer Nikki. That it is, I'm just going to call her, it's Jessica. I know, I'm tired of being like, this other, per- no, okay, her other self is She'll get her name, it's Jessica, all right? <laughs> so when we see the tattoo, that is Jessica. And that's something to keep in mind for later episodes. That Jessica takes over when Nikki cannot do what needs to be done. We cut away from them and we come back to them later to see them sleeping in bed and who is standing over them but the Haitian and HRG and he says take the one. Which one are they taking? (laughs) Which one is it? They clearly both have something about them. I guess we'll find out next week which one they try to take. If you watched it live you see in the promos who they're gonna take. (laughs) Yeah okay so basically Heroes had incredibly spoilery promos. Uh (laughs) They were real good at giving you a little bit to make it seem like, oh, why would they give that away? But that's cool. And then also having stuff that they would hold back on and you'd be like, oh, they hid that really well. I wasn't expecting that at all. I thought they'd spoiled everything that was going to happen in this episode. They were really good at that at the beginning. It was a nostalgia trip going to like look up this promo. Oh, yes. <laughs> and see, watching it like the face of evil. And it was... <laughs> oh my God, I love it. And I think it was of the time, because I think it was like, I think it said like 13 years ago or something that, that it was uploaded right. to YouTube. That sounds right. So it, it was someone like who it. got the rip of the episode and yeah. put that promo up for people online to see. <laughs> and and it, you know what? It honestly, so many of the promos are kind of hard to find now. And I bet you that one still exists because of the very important thing that it ends with. Yes, yeah. it probably does. I'll have to look at that link. I bet that channel has got like a ton of them on there. I bet there was someone who put them up like weekly. Could be. I mean, fuck, I used to put them up. <laughs> I have some. I don't know if I still do. I need to look in that channel and see if NBC's like killed all my stuff. But I definitely had some. Because I sent Keisha over two links and the first one cut off halfway through the promo. <laughs> yep. I didn't even watch that one. And I was one, like, so. wait, I'll find a better one. <laughs> it was it was not only that, it was like half the promo with like Spanish subtitles. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I swear that was something we'd always see online too, was that with the, the you know, with the Spanish subtitles over. Oh, yeah. One of the things I've uploaded is from is for like a French thing. Like the uh, season two, the volume two promo that they aired at cons and stuff. Like I took it off of a French website, I'm pretty sure. And it's like cut, so you can like, yeah, because it had a bunch of stuff on it, like tags and stuff. Oh, it's a whole thing. People's <laughs> because heads. Because this is a show that's like was beloved worldwide and people oh. wanted to watch the same night it was on. <laughs> Yeah, they sold this show in a lot of markets. Like, that's one of the reasons why it was so interesting that they uh, didn't renew it, at least to have a final season. They had it in several global markets, and that's where a lot of shows make money these days. They did a a world tour before season two. Which we'll talk about more, because it's important to mention that they had a real, not just an international presence, but like a live presence. Like, they put a lot of promotion and marketing into this show, uh, end of season one, before the start of season two. One could argue they pushed it up too much too too far too fast and i think i might make that argument oh but yeah we'll get there no need to get all bummed out about that now <laughs> i'm not bummed but i'm looking forward to our conversations about season two me too i don't think season two is gonna be like as grr i think parts of season three are <laughs> the villains arc and all of the choices they made and yeah we'll get into it when we get into like mm-hmm. in between two and three because there's a lot to dissect about the writer strike yep the missing season. I have a lot of feelings about it. The missing uh, concepts that they kind of half tried to do, but then didn't really go through with a lot of them. Like there's a character that I think a lot of people I've seen like 
that I do not like because I have a personal vendetta against them for something they do, one of the very first things they do. <laughs> <laughs> but I still appreciate them as a character, so, but that's, you know. Oh, man. I'm, I'm so excited. I am eager to see on rewatch, though, what we think. Yeah. Because I feel like some of my attitudes have already changed about certain things in season one. Yes. Watching it again now. Yes. So hopefully our attitude now changes a little bit when we get to that. Like, not to be punny, but we haven't gotten to the hard part. And I'm not talking about the episode called The Hard Part. Like, <laughs> we're, we're going to get to the stuff later. But, yeah. Uh, so, meanwhile, while her dad is on this uh, business trip, we get to deal with Claire, who is the biggest consequence, I guess, of the last episode. If you recall, she was at a bonfire, like, pre-homecoming thing. With Brody, the quarterback, they go off together. He got handsy. He got aggressive. She tried to run. He pushed her. She got a stick through the head. She's dead. Claire's dead. But as the cliffhanger said, no, she's not. Now, the fun thing about the Claire story where it picks up in this episode is they do this thing that Heroes likes to do quite a bit where they are going to end an episode one way and they're going to begin a scene from before that ending took place. They love to do this and they do it in collision because we've already seen the coroner or the medical examiner take the stick out of her head and we've seen her wake up and go, holy sh, you know. But in this, we actually see all the before. We see the Emmy actually going through and making her notes and it's really messed up because in the notes you actually get the full context of how she's a Jane Doe. She was found naked and obviously dragged in an attempt to hide the body. So just sit with that for a minute. And so she's, you know, in this medical examiner's office having an autopsy performed on her. And it paints a really sad, tragic picture. But, you know, in this case, as we know, when the Emmy leaves the room, Claire is different. When that stick is out of her head, she's able to heal again. And so she is alive. Claire's alive. She lived through this horrible thing. And she immediately <laughs> pulls her skin back together, which is one of my favorite special effects shots in the entire show, where it wasn't doing it on its own. She's like, oh, let me pull my, my flaps back together so that they'll <laughs> mend. Um, <laughs> and it's really cool because the, the fun way that they do the title cards where they like put it on buildings or characters or what have it, they did it on her flesh right when she pulled it back together, which was a cool little shot. And then, <laughs> so, okay, full disclosure, when, when I was writing the notes for this, the only thing I could think of was the fact that lots of people liked to write fan fiction involving heroes crossovers because <laughs> the actors showed up on several different shows that had active fan bases. You know, you had Milo on Gilmore Girls and okay. So when we meet Siler, he's going to be Zachary Quinto. Ugh, everybody knows this. Quinto was also one of the stars on the first two seasons of American Horror Story, more so in the second season with his character, Dr. Oliver Thredson, uh, who, if you watch that show, you know, I think where I'm going with this, which is that I am stunned that we couldn't find anyway that nobody had written a fanfic that involved Claire Bennett crossing over into the American Horror Story world with Thredson. Because Thredson's whole thing is that he's a, he's a murderer of women, he skins them, he makes stuff out of their skin because he's like an Ed Gein ripoff. <laughs> 
Just think of the possibilities. He could furnish his whole house with one person. Isn't that great? I know, it's fucked up. I, I, I fully agree. But I'm stunned that nobody wrote that because as soon as I said it, I was like, well, that's the most obvious thing in the world. When we looked it up, we found like two fanfics that were American Horror Story and Heroes crossed over. Oh, and it was and it was Siler meeting Oliver, which, okay, sure. I mean, we've all done that. I've 100%, mm-hmm. uh, you know. I will confess here, people who know me know, I've written a fic where it was two Quinto characters meeting each other. It's fun to do. And then it was Peter. Peter ending up in the asylum, which actually is really interesting because of his whole, like, thing, especially in season one. Uh, you could, I kind of want to read that one. Me that too. One me as interesting. I won't even lie. I'll be really disappointed by it, probably, but I would rather read it. <laughs> I just, I have high standards. You know that. I'm I'm dumb and weird about finfic. Anyway, um, so I just had to say that because... Especially with, like, her all cut open and everything. It's all I could think about. I was like, oh, you know, who would get a lot of use out of this? Anyway, um, (laughs) but yeah, I just, I had to. I know, poor Claire. (laughs) Well, the reason why I say this is because um, the pairing of Claire and Siler is a very uh, popular pairing as the show goes on, if you can believe it. So it always surprised me that nobody did that. Nobody crossed over with the other characters. I felt like it was more popular with the rewatch crowd than at the time. Am I blocking something out? Man, you are, because I remember when, like, Pass Fail came out. Everybody was like, ah! Like, at least that's all I saw in live journal. I saw people losing their shit constantly about, like, they're gonna kiss, they're gonna kiss! Like, you know, like... Man, do you not remember that? It was such a big thing. I just remember seeing, like, how many people from the Netflix rewatchers, like, loved Silaire. It makes sense. It does make sense in a lot of ways because it, it fits a lot of the tropes, you know, that you see in a lot of fanfic. But it's just so funny, you know, like, seeing their whole trajectory. And, and, and honestly... At the time, I was a lot harsher to it, but I can see where it works as an interaction uh, because it's really no different than the shenanigans he's going to get up to with other characters that we like to pair him with. He's going to do some really messed up things to or around some characters and we're still going to be like, but I love them. You know, like that's just the, the fun of being involved in fandom and being involved in fanfic and, you know, all that, all that sort of stuff that you would do when you're really into watching something. But yeah, so Silaire was a big pairing. I don't understand why nobody wrote that fic. Moving on. Claire escapes from the Emmy's office. I always felt bad for that poor coroner because she just had this girl cut open on her table and then she just turned around and just boop, gone. And it's like, we never, we never got to find out how messed up that coroner was potentially for life i can't imagine that's something you walk away from very easily and she sneaks home and she's in nothing but a lab coat because you know she was naked when she was found uh likely because she was in that very distinct cheerleading outfit um i mean say something about I believe Brody. they pulled her out of the water as well yeah it was like this whole really messed up story uh i mean you can say i mean brody is certainly an absolute asshole but he's not stupid because, yeah, getting rid of the uniform is smart. So she sneaks home, and it's funny because without any of this context, it's totally just like a, oh, she's like a teenage girl who stayed out too late, and she's sneaking home, and she's, you know, trying to get upstairs without being seen, and nobody realizing that she didn't sleep, you know, in the house that night. So it's great when she has her interaction with her dad, and she's just, you know, in her her clothes, but she's also, she's still got her, like, muddy, like, feet from when she walked home. God knows how long, too. I don't even, they never mention how far she had to walk to get back home probably pretty far so she has her little moment with her dad where she's like you know nothing happened it's fine i just stayed out too late and i'm sorry and i know i understand i'll probably get punished for this and that's okay and before we even uh see her going back to school we um actually get the first line from her brother she has a brother um i I feel like we've seen lyle before he just didn't say anything i don't think we have haven't we okay 
Mm-mm. So she has a brother. His name is Lyle. She doesn't say it in this episode, but his name is Lyle. And he just, you know, they have that immediately great, like, snotty, like, sibling thing going on, which I just love. Uh, Brian Fuller wrote this episode. Uh, he was a big part of Heroes in the start of it, especially. And he's got such great dialogue for so many of the characters. And I just, the little moments like this, little moments like him being a brat to his sister, regardless of, you know, whatever. It's just so, it rings so true. Anyways, so she goes to school and she's just back in school. She just wants to forget it ever happened. Uh, she survived and that's okay. You know, she's, she's just gonna move on with her life. That's all she wants to do. And she told Zach about it because despite the fact that she's trying to, you know, maintain her her so-called normal life with her so-called, you know, regular friends. She's she's getting quite close to Zach. She confides in him, not just about her ability, but she confided in him about this. Probably because he's so removed from that social group, but she still did, and I think that that matters. So... Yeah, he's pissed. He wants her to do something. He wants her to, you know, get Brody in trouble. You know, something has to be done. And Claire's just like, look, no one's going to believe me. First of all, I don't have a mark on me. So no one's going to believe that it went as far as it did. I'm just going to, you know, put my head down and I'm just going to keep focusing on cheerleading in school and just all the normal life. It's just, it's it's Claire's eternal struggle with, I just want to be normal. But the world is not letting her because of various circumstances like this one. So Brody sees her and he looks like he's seen a ghost because guess what? He has. And, you know, Jackie's just yammering on about something. They're having this whole moment and Brody's like, oh, I need to go to the bathroom. And he's going to go be sick because Claire's not dead. The dead body he dragged for Lord knows how long and got rid of. Ugh. I hate him so much. I hate him so much. I'm pretty sure I actually cheered when she did what she did. Uh, later in the episode to deal with him. I'm fairly oh, I certain I did, like in, like when I first watched it, too. Um, yeah. Because as much as Claire wants to forget it ever happened, it's very clear that Brody isn't gonna stop. He has done this before. She meets up with this girl, the girl who had looked at her from afar at the bonfire the night that it happened. Uh, her name is Lori. She also had an experience with Brody. And so it becomes clear, not only from that, but she sees Brody from afar flirting with this girl, being aggressive, holding her arm, pulling her clothes. Like, this guy's not gonna stop. He is not gonna stop. So she decides to take what she can do and use it. And it's amazing. Claire is such a badass in this moment. I love that Brian Fuller gave her this to do. It's one of the coolest things in the show. She fake flirts with Brody to get him to take her home, claiming that Jackie was going to, but Jackie left without her after practice. So they get into his car and she's like, oh, you have a stick, right? Like a stick shift. And he's like, yeah. And she's like, cool. And she's just playing the ditzy kind of teen who just, you know, oh, I'd love to learn how to drive a stick shift. Oh, you could show me, you know, like really playing into... You know, how he wants to be the man, if you will. And they're driving. And first of all, honey, Claire knows how to drive a stick shift. It's very apparent, (laughs) really fast. And he gets the sense of that, too. And she has uh, a confrontation with him about what happened and about just what he's doing. And he does the whole playbook of like, you don't know what you're talking about. You were drunk. I was drunk. You wanted it. You can't rape the willing, Claire. Oh, when he says that. Oh, when he says that, it is on. It's over. She immediately realizes this guy, he's just going to keep doing it. And she was lucky enough that she got to walk away and the next person's not going to get to be that lucky. So she speeds up and she slams the car headfirst into a brick wall. And that's where we leave off with Claire. We know she's probably going to crawl out of that just fine. Him? Not so much. And good. We get the literal collision 
that is the title of the episode. That we do, but yeah. She has such a fun little, like, I like all of her, like, real life stuff and then how she uses her ability to kind of get vengeance for things. She she later on becomes a really great, like, representative of, like, the downtrodden and the outcasts at the school. Like, they do a lot of fun things with that. When she just learns to let her freak flag fly, if you will. I cheered. I'm pretty sure I cheered when I watched it live when she did that. Because that took some balls for the show to do that um yeah did you have any other other thoughts about her journey so far her knowing to drive a stick shift you know the hrg was like you're gonna learn both ways <laughs> <laughs> it's just of his character to be like you're gonna know both ways clary and she might have been like "Ugh, why at the time mm-hmm. but it clearly came in handy now oh, i love it so much i just love it so much i love that she has the realization because yes she went through this horrible thing and other people did too but it would have been such easy like i guess lazy writing for them to be like well but she's not violent or she doesn't do this like no she's a little texas firecracker who now can walk away from that sort of thing so you shouldn't fuck with her she doesn't have the kind of ability that she can use against people except for in that way and I love that, how, how quickly we first got to see that. Because healing might not seem like that cool of an ability um, in terms of, like, in a fight scenario. Like, yeah, she can't die, but what's she going to do? Well, this is what she's going to do. She can weaponize it. But yeah, fuck Brody. Yeah, fuck him, exactly. Fuck Brody. <laughs> <laughs> fuck that guy. Ugh. That's what I've been thinking the past how many episodes, every time we've been seeing him. I've been yeah, like, right? fuck you. <laughs> like... Fuck you, dude. <laughs> I always go a step further with it because we know, you know, how it turns out. But we're just at the beginning of Claire's journey. Claire has a yeah. lot ahead of her. She has a lot of stuff and she has a lot of stuff coming in the season and stuff she's not even aware of yet. But we as the audience know something big is coming for Claire. And we know that because of Isaac. And Isaac has a fair bit in this episode, not a ton. Almost interacts with a bunch of characters. <laughs> so we remember from the last episode that Isaac was looking at a sketch of Simone kissing another man. And apparently he can tell from that sketch that it is the same man who is flying off the roof, which is Peter. Because <laughs> he references that he drew both of those seven weeks ago before he even met the guy. And um, I don't know if I, as a person, would be able to pick out that that was the same guy without knowing. Yeah, I always thought that was a real leap. Especially because the, the kissing under the umbrella sketch is very sketchy. Yeah, it's super sketchy. There's no, like, details. So yeah, it's very hard to tell that it's Peter, but we do see him actually use his power, you know, in, like shortly later in the episode, where he he does actually see the people that he is about to paint. So it's possible he's remembering like, oh, it was definitely the same guy I saw. That's probably times. it, honestly, now that you're saying it. <laughs> yeah, so, because Simone thinks like, oh, Isaac, are you stalking me? You just drew this, you drew last night. Are you following me? Yeah. Are you crazy? Mm-hmm. No, I drew this seven weeks ago, alright? Get over yourself. Because <laughs> Simone wants to come take his new paintings because she wants to sell them and he will not let her take the new paintings. He's like, you can have the old ones. I I need these right now because I need to be able to do something about this. Isaac is at this point like, I'm going to be a hero. It's me. I'm the hero. He's embracing his power right now. Even if it's going to take heroin for him to do it, he's embracing his fact that he can see the future and he's going to try to change it. He's kind of doing what Hero is doing in a way. Because he hasn't reached out to anyone yet to see if they can help him change it. He's just like, I'm going to be able to do it. I'm mm-hmm. going to figure out what's happening. So he ends up shooting up again and going into his vision. Or he sees Claire running to the bleachers in her school. And we actually see Claire there later in the episode after this where she's flirting with Brody. So we see her run up the bleachers at school. And we see that he is painting a picture of her fleeing from a large shadow. Just some looming threat is coming after her. The face of evil <laughs> it could be the face of evil 
is it HRG? Ooh, maybe. And he goes into like a frenzy painting and he paints three other pictures as well that we see in this episode anyway he paints another of claire where she's just kind of we it's like a close-up on her face there's not a lot to go off of on that one yeah just more terror we see a painting of peter with locker doors flying past him and we see a painting of hero and andal standing under a bloody homecoming banner so we know all of these paintings take place on the same night so like the other painting he did of the blast in new york we are all now heading to this home homecoming night this is going to be like our next big event where it seems like several people are going to be crashing into each other a lot is going to happen in texas in the future something big is happening in texas something big that becomes the catchphrase of the show that is the reason we looked up the promo because it doesn't get said in this episode but it did get said in the teaser promo it's like the first thing a certain character says in the next episode and we're not gonna say it here we're not gonna say it here (laughs) but I mean, look at the paintings. Clearly, Claire's in trouble. And then, it's funny, because it's like, the one with Peter with the lockers getting flown at him. Gee, who have we met who can telekinetically move things? I do wonder. Hmm. (laughs) We aren't left to wonder who the shadow is for very long. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty freaking clear that it's who you think it might be. I will say something I need to say, though, about uh, the paintings and that one in particular of him looming over Claire at the bleachers. I remember this being a big thing, too. Uh, People took the paintings incredibly literally. So because we never uh, met Siler, he was just a shadow presence. People were like, is he a monster? Like, can he, like, does he, like, turn into, like, does he change parts of his body? Do you remember that? (laughs) People are like, he has a crab claw hand. Does he have crab claw hands? And I'm like, oh my god, you guys, it's a painting. It's just supposed to be the style of what he's doing. People were so extra about that. Do you remember that? They were like, is is he weird physically? Is that why we've never seen him? Like, I have a vague memory of this, yeah. Oh, I remember it. I remember people talking about that. I was like, you guys, there's just a painting. He just is a shadowy person is not painting a realistic style portrait it is a comic no. style it's painting. tim sale artwork it has a look to it <laughs> i was instantly reminded of that when i saw him drawing around the hand i was like oh god remember when they thought he had a crab claw hand because that was the whole thing is like we haven't seen him is this why because he looks like a monster no we haven't seen him because he hasn't been cast yet <laughs> like it's just as simple as that and they you know don't quite know what they're how long he's going to be around yet either so <sighs> Yeah, so we've got a bunch of paintings. We have another mission. We gotta stop New York City from getting blown up, and we gotta save a cheerleader. So, there's a lot going on there. Something bad is gonna happen to Claire. And it's funny, because it's like, well, geez, look at who's there. I mean, like, Hero and Ando, they're on their quest, right? They could easily, in theory, see this in the comic book and be like, oh, well, we have to go here. How the hell does Peter get there? He's like the big sore thumb of it all where you're just like those people don't know each other he's not in texas at all he's in new york how the hell does this happen it's a fun little tease about all the the further interactions and connections that are going to happen as the story moves forward peter has a lot to do before he gets there though he sure does and let's dive right into that now because also in new york uh mohinder is trying to be proactive and he's trying to warn nathan petrelli that someone might be after him because his picture was a prominent part of what I'm going to call Siler's vision board. Or dream board. Whatever you prefer. Um, <laughs> he, he really had a, a target on his back, so to speak, as soon as he saw 
that messed up apartment and I remember that Nathan's clipping was on it. So he tries to do the right thing. He tries to find Nathan and warn him about this. And it's so great because Nathan is such a fucking politician about everything. He's so fake. Um, he, He's just like, yeah, huh? Thanks for your support. Like trying to get in the car as fast as he can. <laughs> like, <laughs> and Leonard's like, wait, wait, no, like someone might be after you. And as soon as he mentions his name, Nathan's face just drops because it's the same name as the guy who wrote the book that Peter was pushing in his face recently. And it's like, he can't escape this. He just wants to focus on what he's doing and all these real world things. And everybody around him is just closing in with this thing that he doesn't want to admit about himself and that he just doesn't want to have, I don't know, derail everything. So there's there's that funny interaction. It's the first time they meet. And Mohinder's basically, like, pulled away by his, his like, security detail. Like, uh-huh, yep. <laughs> you know, the, the, you know, Nathan has to go now kind of thing. So he's very frustrated because there's this great moment when he's getting pulled away where this guy walks next to him and he he's, like, your very stereotypical, yammering, quote-unquote, crazy man on the street who's just rambling about stuff. And Mohinder has this great moment where he looks at the guy and he looks at Nathan like, I'm not, what? No. And then he gets pushed away. Um, like, I'm not that. I'm talking about real things. So he gets pushed away and he goes back to his apartment and he's just really frustrated. And he is just, he's just, he's done. He doesn't know what the hell he's doing here. He's, you know, no one's going to listen to him. This is how probably all of his interactions are going to go. So he's like, whatever. I had a great life in India. I don't understand why I'm here. I'm going back. Eden comes in. There's a special delivery that Mohinder gets. And that is his father's ashes, which I think kind of give him like a moment to be like, this is why you're here. Even though he's still like, oh, I'm packing up. I'm leaving. I think he's kind of got this thing subconsciously where he's like, that's why you're here because something bad happened to your father and you could try to figure it out still if you wanted but he's fighting with the urge to just be like nope peace out i'm done and when he's going through this there's a knock on his door and who is it but our boy peter petrelli and he's looking for um dr suresh so they have a bunch of really great scenes together in this episode and further along in the series peter and mohinder have a lot of cool moments together that i don't think are maybe thought of as, as being as i guess like iconic as some other character interactions but they have like a fun thing because i think we've mentioned before they're very like faith versus science like the whole loss thing because peter is just wide-eyed and he just wants to figure this thing out because damn it he did stuff a couple times. He just has to figure out how to keep doing it. And then once he does that, everything will be great. And clearly Mohinder can help him. So they go and they sit down and he's like, yeah, I'm looking for Chandra Suresh. And Mohinder's like, yeah, that's my dad. And Peter's like, oh, cool. Do you know where he is? I'd like to talk to him. He's like, yeah, he's over there on that table, which is a total dick move, by the way. Um, so, but Mohinder's <laughs> had it. He's had a bad day. And he points to the urn. And Peter immediately is like, oh, you know, he's, he's a bit chastised. But, you know, they sit there and they have this whole conversation that we've seen bits of where Peter is like, I don't know, I, I flew twice. I can't do it anymore. I don't know, maybe. And he kind of stumbles onto the thing of his power without even realizing it, which is so great, where he's like, maybe I can only do these things when I'm around people that can do them. He nailed it, uh, but he doesn't quite realize that fully yet because, yeah, he was around Nathan and he flew and he was around other people like Isaac and he could you know paint the future sort of and so he's trying to explain this to Mohinder and Mohinder's just like uh-huh yeah like he's barely into this but he's he's not quite shoving him out the door you know I think it's because a lot of how Nathan treated Mohinder 
that Mohinder doesn't want to just do the same thing to Peter. Because he went through that. That's rude. So he's he's hearing him out a bit. But he's also having this great little sidebar with Eden where Eden's like, so what do you think? Is this guy, you know, crazy or what? And Mohinder's like, he's crazy, obviously. <laughs> like, they have this great little phrase that they say for it, which is so, like, Fuller-esque. Um, because, you know, you can't, like, curse and stuff. So they, you know, they say, like, is this guy legit or, like, is he a crap house rat? As in crazy as, you know? <laughs> um, so they both think, well, probably crap house rat. But Mohinder gets convinced to go along with Peter to Isaac's. First he wants to go to Nathan, but he's like, oh, no, wait, never mind. Nathan's in Las Vegas. We can't go. We can't go to him. But we can go to Isaac. And so they travel to Isaac's, um, which they have this great little dialogue moment where Peter's like, okay, so just to kind of warn you, I don't really know this guy very well. I met him like once. And also, mm, he's kind of a heroin addict. And you can see Mohinder's just like, what the hell have I gotten myself into? Um, which is going to be his default state, by the way, for most of the show. What the hell have I gotten myself into? So they end up at Isaac's loft. Uh, he knocks on the door. He tries to get in, but, you know, he can't. He doesn't know that he's on the other side, like, having his little moments, his little visions and such. So they leave defeated, but they have this really great conversation when they're in the subway heading back where they all talk about their fathers and living up to their fathers. And um, Mohinder says, yeah, we're all just variations of the last model. And Peter says, mm, cheap knockoffs of our fathers. And it's accidentally this huge foreshadowing thing for not just those characters, but, like, a lot of characters on the show. Oh, that was kind of fun to do in, like, a rewatchy kind of way. Like, oh, they didn't play on that, trust me. But it certainly is a thing to say, especially with Peter being the one to say it. Uh, which, you know, like we said, Arthur, his presence is all over this damn show. And we don't even see him for a while. So they're having, you know, this conversation and... And Peter, I just love um, Milo's body language on the subway. It's been one of my favorite things forever. He's just like uh, almost childlike, you know, like the way he just like hangs there on the bar. And he's just kind of like loose and he's just not like bothered by, you know, the troubles of the world, I guess. This is so much different than the Peter we're going to get throughout the show because he's got nothing but hope and, you know, light in him now. And he's going to go through a lot of shit. And so it's, it's fun to see Peter when he's still so like... Yeah, you know, I just slept with the girl in my dreams, and I'm in love, and I'm gonna figure this out, and he's just so, so optimistic, and he's about to get knocked down real hard. But as they're on the subway, and they're talking on the train, suddenly... The train stops, which whatever, that happens all the time, right? But then it becomes very evident that not only is the train stopping, but time itself, as Mohinder is stopped in mid-word. But the only person who's still able to move is Peter. Everyone else is frozen. Time itself has stopped all around him. And I know there's certainly a character we've seen who could do that, but he's in Las Vegas now, so that's pretty weird. Yeah, like, we've seen Hero do this before, but why would he be stopping it in New York? He's got other things to do right now. Like, go gambling. <laughs> <laughs> so in, in Vegas right now, Hero has been trying to leave Isaac messages warning him about his imminent death except he's been leaving it in japanese and he's like i need to learn how to say you're gonna die in english and ando teaches him right there how to say it you're gonna die and new york city's gonna explode in five weeks or whatever it is (laughs) so ando's making the most of their time in vegas and he wants to go gambling and he's not doing great so they're down to like their last dollar and that is the straw that breaks the camel's back for Hero. So he freezes time and makes sure that Ando wins that roulette bet. And it's also fun because the lady who is running the roulette table is uh, Kirsten Dos Santos. Is that right? Well, um, is that her current name? Or I think that's her like current married name, right? Cause I think so. I think it's Kristen Dos Santos now, but it wasn't then. 
Because remember, she wasn't even Kristen then. She was Wanda because it was watched with Wanda. Really? Was she? Do you not remember that? I don't remember that, dude. Oh my god. It's been like over 10 years. You have to forgive. <laughs> well, I guess I never grew up. Um, so her, uh... Her blog initially on E! was called Watch with Wanda. And then after a while, it was like, no, okay, my name's Kristen. And it became Watch with Kristen. And then she got married. And yeah. I don't think I started reading her stuff until after season one. Oh, I did because of other shows. Yeah. So that's probably why. Mm -hmm. Anyway, she's the, um, yeah, the roulette girl or whatever. What would would you call that? It's not like a dealer, is it? Because they don't really deal. There's a word for it, but I can't think of, like, what it is. Obviously, I gamble a lot. Uh Yeah, she's heading up the roulette table. It's fun. It's a nice little cameo. Mm -hmm. I think that she's done a bunch of cameos and stuff like that before. She has, because I was actually going to take the moment to talk about, like, that was a thing for a while. Like, Osiello showed up on a bunch of things. She showed up on things. Yes, I remember that fun little thing but anyway so it's not going well it's not going well hero stops time and andal's ecstatic he won and then hero like admits like you know you didn't win i made that happen (laughs) and instead of (laughs) instead of what hero expects is someone to be like no don't do that again and was like oh hell yeah (laughs) keep doing it hero (sighs) and he tells hero like you know other heroes have systems like this is it cheating when peter parker sells pictures of spider-man Oh, that's such a good little line to get Hero on the hook. Like, oh, that's a, yeah, that is comparable. He's like, this is our system. We're using your power, you know, Mm -hmm. to keep us in the red. And they don't just do it with roulette. They go and do it in poker. And that's obviously their mistake. (laughs) It's because Hero switches hands with another poker player. And that ends up getting them into trouble when they get ejected from the casino from winning too much. The gambler that they cheated at, at poker meets them in the alley with his thugs and is like, uh, what happened? (laughs) <laughs> I want my money. And, you know, Andal gets bit. He talks big to them because Hero's like, I don't know what they're saying. It's English. <laughs> and, which is weird because Hero, yet Hero understood the comic. I don't know. Maybe he don't can read too better much about than he it. can. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe he can read better than he can, like, hear it. Yeah. Because that happens. You can read a language pretty well and then not, like, you know, verbally understand it as well. Oh, 100%. Yeah. You gotta say what Ando says. I wrote it down word for word. It's my favorite thing. I didn't write it down word for word. What okay. did you say? So Ando, he's like, okay, it's fine. I've got it i can handle it when hero was like what's he saying so he goes you better back off my friend has very big power <laughs> <laughs> just the way he goes you better back off like the little uh, uh. like i loved the line reading so much and then the that thug, was a great line drew yeah. the thug just looking at the friend and going okay and just taking him out with one punch <laughs> oh it's so good yeah, Hero gets flattened in their little in their little Rain Man homage suits. <laughs> <laughs> and this won't be the last. It kind of becomes a little bit of a recurring gag for Hero to get like knocked out mm-hmm. pretty easily. Mm-hmm. But I think this is the first time it happens because you have to, especially later on when he actually can use his power. He's untouchable otherwise. Yeah, you got you got to catch him by surprise. And so we leave there for you know Hero in Vegas, but we're back to Peter on that train with time stuck, and he can hear someone walking on the top of the train car. Oh yeah, like it's like thud, thud, thud. Like it's totally steps or something. Like, something ominous is happening, and then suddenly standing before him is Hero. But it's not our Hero. He looks different, and he speaks perfect English. And he's like, Peter Petrelli. And he's like, yeah? Oh, sorry, I didn't recognize you without your scar. That's a little creepy there. I'm just grinning over here. And he says, my name is Hiro Nakamura. I'm from the future. I have a message for you. 
And then that is the cliffhanger of the episode. To be continued. That's the message. Dun, dun, dun. Which, in the episode, we don't know what he says. But in the promo, we know what he says. In the promo, they just, they do it because it's the tagline for the show for the next, like, several episodes. And arguably for, like, a lot of it. That's the thing people remember when they remember that show. Like, people referenced that in things. They had a Jeopardy clue that said that. Uh, 30 Rock references it like it's all over and we'll talk about that next episode we're gonna keep being coy even though we're talking about <laughs> arthur petrelli well we're gonna be coy about this well you know it's fun it's fun to be coy about fun. certain things and well i mean we haven't really gotten into arthur petrelli we could really go there but we're not no. it's just we just we're, we're just yeah. telling you his name and yeah. that he's important later on and we are gonna meet him and you know that might be in the past it's just, I think we both forgot how often he was talked of in season one. And that's what it's so funny about, you know, the whole thing is we're just like, oh, okay, Arthur Petrelli, whatever. But he gets brought up a lot. Yeah. And, you know, again, knowing what we know now, it's it's a lot of stuff that makes sense. I had a couple questions as well that are, um, going back to Sakamoto, did you look at her office and see the, like, samurai armor sitting there? Oh, yeah. Big time. Yeah. But then I thought, well, maybe because it's a different casino, but she works for Linderman, you know, like, yeah. I'm willing to bet it's what you think it is. I think it's what I think it is, but yeah. Even in, like, retrospect. Like, they weren't planning on it, but you can say it is. I think they're just like, let's Asian up this, this, <laughs> this office. Goodness. <laughs> Because I don't remember how often um, she's in the season. Like, I forgot about her until I saw her. So I'm like, I knew that they didn't meet Linderman in this episode. I knew that someone intercepted them. I just didn't remember who. Yeah. When do we meet Linderman? Who meets him first? Uh, Nathan? Nathan? I feel like Nathan. And not too far away from now. Nathan or... I'm pretty sure it's Nathan. I'm pretty sure it's Nathan. I don't... Th- it could be Nikki, but I'm... No, I'm pretty sure it's Nathan. I'm pretty sure it's Nathan. Yeah, I'm like 90-something percent positive it's Nathan. I'm constantly having to resist the urge to, like, jump ahead on things and look at stuff. I'm trying to... I'm trying to be good. I'm trying to reserve my yes, excitement. I, I'm making an effort as well. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Which is hard. It's like, I want to look ahead now. Yeah, right? I want nothing more than to Google all these things again and be like, oh. But that's the fun of it, is what we remember versus what, like, you know, what we're seeing on the show. Absolutely. And that was our episode, so thank you for listening as we talked about episode 104, Collision. You can find us on social media. Get a hold of us on Twitter, at Eclipsed Podcast, or send us an email, eclipsedpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, yeah, like we've said in the past, anyone who's going through this for the first time or anyone who's rewatching it like us, we'd love to hear your thoughts and comments and experiences on doing so but thanks for listening to this episode and we'll see you next week bye 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 next time on eclipsed a message from the future flying man mr bennett is the ultimate protective father and isaac well he has to work alongside the guy that got with his ex tune in